Anything Combat with Johnny K. Well, it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by an undefeated lightweight. His name is Cedric Luson. How you going, Cedric? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me, John. Did I say Did I say your name correctly, Cedric? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty straight, pretty straight on Cedric Lusant. Yeah, most people uh, usually butcher it and say Louis Saint. First question: <laughs> You fought Jorge Masvidal's Icon Fighting promotion. What did you think about that promotion in general? And did you get to talk to Jorge? What was he like? Well, first off, my thoughts of the promotion. I, honestly, the promotion is hands down A grade. I was definitely amazing to just even be a part of that and to have that chance, right? Um, I and did I get to talk to him? Yes, I actually did get to talk to Jorge the day before at weigh-ins. We spoke. You know, he said, and you, he told me who was going to be in the crowd and, you know, whatnot, you know, just to get you a little bit more hype, you know, give you that little internal speech so you can go out there and put on a show. So, for sure, I did. Uh, the next night, I ended up speaking to him uh, after the fight, too, you know, and it was uh, it was awesome, man. I, you know, I, right out, literally, I jumped out the cage, uh, jumped out the cage, and you go watch it on the fight pass. I literally jumped out the cage. I flexed. I was so hyped, full of adrenaline. Then at that point, I, I ran, I literally saw Jorge, I looked for him, saw him, jumped down, and went up to him, dapped him up, and told him, like, I told you I was coming, like, I told him, book me again, I literally yelled at him, book me again, I, I accidentally, like, slapped his chest, and was, <laughs> I was so full of adrenaline, I didn't even realize at the time, but man, it was amazing, it was a great night for sure. That is, that is fucking hilarious. I've got a question about your nickname. So some places, for some reason, I was doing research on you and it said it's show up, show out. And then some of them said that it was Asian sensation. So which one do you actually go by? So what I actually go by is show up, show out. I started out as the Haitian sensation. As far as like my uh, nickname, um, I go by show up, show out. Right. It it just stuck with me. Someone was like, man, you always show up, show out. And I changed my name. I had it on Instagram. It was an OG handle. So I was like, ah, let me run with this after the fact. And it was after the fact because I realized after I named myself the Haitian sensation at the time, you know, I wasn't expecting big old Neil Magny to make it to the UFC and have that name. Imagine I'm sitting there watching the fights and out of nowhere, I'm hearing someone named Haitian sensation. I said, wait, what? I said, I'm the Haitian sensation, but then again, he made it to the big shows first, man. So I give him I give him his credit. So I ended up changing my name from the Haitian sensation after that point to show up, show out. Because, you know, I didn't really, I had the handle already. So I already had myself where I could brand and kind of use those on each other's backs to help build each other. Cedric, about that, you just brought up Neil Magny, who's in the UFC. When are we seeing you in the UFC? Come on, man. When are we seeing you there? <laughs> I mean, you're going to see me in the UFC soon, man. Soon, man. I'm just staying down until my time comes, you know, grinding. I got a lot of teammates who are in the UFC um, that are fighting some of the top prospects out there in the UFC, PFL, Bellator. So I train I train with some of the top, top guys in the world. So, like, I know my time is coming, and I know when I get that chance to showcase my skill set that I'm going to take advantage of that. In my opinion – Dude, you inspire me because you're an entrepreneur and a martial artist. That, in my opinion, is crazy. You're doing all facets of life. You're a polymath. I've got a question. How did you get into cybersecurity? So how did I get into cybersecurity? I'm, I'm glad you asked this. this. I was watching TV, and this show called Hacker came on by Vice. I, th I thank God every day that I actually 
saw this show because this show opened my eyes to the world that a lot of different people were living in cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is like a football team. There's so many different positions. And kind of like the medical field where there's so many different niches. It's the same thing. I saw on this show these people that were working remotely, uh, defending against hackers, some who were legally hacking on the behalf of other companies, and living a nomad digital lifestyle. They didn't, weren't tied to a specific location. That They had the freedom to go anywhere. Um, I myself, I knew I could live a life like that, so I set out and taught myself um, going through different programs, self-education, getting real-world experience um, with the job. And then from there, it's been all she wrote. You know, I've been juggling different positions in cybersecurity ever since. Um, started my own business, uh, went on to another consulting firm. Um, at this point now, now, I've circled back around and I've started a cybersecurity mentorship and training program to help people like who are in my position be able to navigate all the nuances of getting into cybersecurity. Thank you for that answer. But I want to know also, how did you get into fighting? <laughs> so it's funny. I was in the fighting before I was in the cybersecurity. So naturally, you know, I grew up boxing at a nice little outreach program that was free here at a park called Taino Boxing. Unfortunately, it did get shut down, but it was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. You know, kind of taught me how to fight, taught me how to the bear bare bones of boxing. But at that point, I started wrestling also in high school, um, and that kind of took front seat and boxing was backseat and you know after high school wrestling you know I wasn't done I, I love that itch I love competing I love that you know right up against each other so naturally I transitioned to kickboxing and MMA after high school because um, I still had that itch so as I was working I was training took a couple fights but then I ended up taking a break for a little bit um, after I dropped my first two fights, the first one was really controversial. The second one, I, I really wasn't ready. Um, and I kind of, I kind of was discouraging myself for a little bit. So, you know, I, I ended up shifting gears into the cybersecurity because at that time, that's when I saw that. And I shifted gears because, you know, I had a lot of other external pressures at, at the time, um, main one um i became a father at a very young age at 19 so i i had to kind of shift gears right because you know chasing the fight dream it's a broke dream you know you don't get only only a certain amount of fighters really really make enough money to make a make a real living so fighting for me is something that I had to take i had to do, had to be on the on the side now i'm at the point where i can actually put uh, my whole self into fighting because i have um, the financial backing of my normal career and I get to do this for fun you know this is something that I truly want to do it's not because I have to do it and it's the only thing I can do it's because I like to fight I want to fight and those are the type those are the type of people I like getting in the fights with because those end up being the best fights what's your training regimen like so my training regimen is all over the place it's it's always about balance life is about balance so I've one thing I've noticed is that whenever I'm taking from any other area in my life, if I pour too much into one area, I'm losing balance in other areas. So I've learned to balance between all the response, roles and responsibilities I have between being a father, husband, professional mixed martial artist, um, and a cybersecurity professional. So what I, normally my day-to-day -day is, you know, I try to wake up on most days anywhere from 4 to 5. Um, during camp and train uh, strength and conditioning in those mornings for a couple hours be back home showered and ready to go for work by eight to nine um, work the nine to five 
then after the nine to five from five to nine work training in the gym again doing boxing jujitsu um kickboxing you know wrestling you know any or just straight up mma conditioning you know so any one of the disciplines throughout the week that's pretty much how the week goes you know i spar two to three times a week um, sometimes four four times a week if i'm feeling right and i'm feeling healthy but for the most part that's pretty much how the training regimen is going it's a balance you know in the morning morning train middle middle of the day working night train again go to sleep repeat um i also do a lot of recovery with uh my uh, sports therapist who helps me out and keep me going through all these training sessions because just working out and training and that breaks down your body so having that sports therapy is honestly one of my major keys to staying balanced and being able to continue driving towards my goals that is a crazy split when you're training what do you think is your best attribute as a fighter my willingness to not give up I, and i'm not saying not give up in like dumb positions and stuff like that but my willingness to i don't settle like i don't like giving up a position even if you like you may you know uh reverse me i'm looking for the reversal right away you know, if you switch from bottom to top, like I'm always switching how I can get into the dominant position. You know, I I, I, I don't quit. Like you got to take me out. of it. That's my best attribute in MMA. You have to take me out if you want to take me out. Like if you, you don't take me out, I'm coming. I'm coming every way possible, whether if it's on the, with the hands, whether if it's uh, taking you down wrestling or whether if it's going after you in jujitsu. I feel like my best attribute is not giving up and switching between those disciplines when I have to and doing mixed martial arts. You brought up those challenges in the early stages of your career. How did you overcome those? So honestly, it, it took some time. You know, those challenges in the beginning of my career, um, when I lost my first two amateur fights, you know, I really, I thought I was training hard in that, at that time frame. And I thought I was training smart, but, you know, ideally I couldn't, I could only do so much because I was, working a job that was so physically demanding that it took almost everything from me and I by the time I got the training I had nothing I, I literally had nothing my back was just trashed legs trashed because I'm on my feet on, on my back all day long um so ideally really the challenges came up I overcame those challenges not only met, uh, physically but also mentally by switching into a career that allowed me to be able to train. So I would say, honestly, it was cybersecurity, you know, and computers that really helped me be able to get back out there. Who's a fighter that you look at right now that has inspired you to continue on your journey? Um, I would say the multiple fighters. There's multiple fighters that, that are here locally that have inspired me, like Christian Lawson. He's my main coach on my team at Dark Wolf. Um, you know, he's a, definitely an inspiration to me, you know. The, him just seeing him chase after his dreams you know that inspired me to get back after it and chasing after it you know cybersecurity was only one aspect of it that allowed me to get back into training but it was my teammates at dark wolf and at fusion excel performance that showed to me that hey you know i have a group of individuals around me that are willing to chase this dream with me and put in that blood sweat and tears and that i i have people who understand what what i'm going after and they're going after similar goals and we're all here to get better together you know and that really is what inspired me so like my team my teammates and coaches uh christian lowson david lowson as well as julian williams um my other teammates uh um, Mike Davis was also in the UFC, you know, and uh, Phil Phil Rowe, um, just 
be seeing those guys chase after those dreams and get after it at the highest levels, you know, has been the most motivating thing for me. What do you do to mentally prepare before a fight? Is there any tricks you use? Listen, man, everything goes through your head, especially when you cut weight. Like, it's nonstop. You know, I try to, you know, breathe, just control my breath, control my heart rate before the fight. Um, the day before, it's always a bunch of emotions because you're cutting weight. You got a lot of different hormones going through you, etc. But I try to stay cool, calm, and collected and just know that, yo, the only thing that matters is, is the person that's locked across the cage for me. And that's one thing my coach, David Lawson, told me. And honestly, I've, I've held on to that because at the end of the day, he's right. <sighs> Screw everything else. <laughs> Nothing else really matters. Once the weight cut's done, once you're in the ring and the ref is saying, red, are you ready? Blue, are you ready? Fight, that's all that matters is the person right across from you. All the other distractions, all the other yelling, the booing, the cheering, the family, the friends, the hate, none of that matters. Because all that matters is the person who's across from you who signed a contract to take your head off. I love that. What's your proudest moment as a fighter? I mean, my proud, honestly, is going to be my first professional fight. Period. You know, to go from dropping my first two amateur fights to then winning my next uh, four amateur and my first two pro fights, you know, on a six-fight win streak currently, you know, that was my first win as a professional, honestly, was the biggest thing for me because I know that first win is, it, it's a, a lot to every professional fighter. You know, some people go in their first pro fight, lose, and they never fight again, you know, so I was just very, very fortunate to take advantage of the opportunity that was presented to me because I was a feeder for that fight. I was supposed to lose to a national champion boxer, you know, coming out of Bo Nickel's camp, you know, and I respect, I respect Bo Nickel and I respect his camp. I respect any individual who's willing to step across the ring from me. But I knew that this was my hometown. This was my night and I've been training hard for this and we game plan for any fighter. You know, that's the thing when I train for fighting and when I train my camp, we train for wrestlers, we train for we train for mixed martial artists, we train for boxers, we train for every facet of mixed martial arts. So that way we come prepared that night. And the fact that I was able to get hooks in, belly down first round, some vicious ground and pound, looking over at Bo Nickel, I got Dan Mergliata refing me, and I'm just like, I'm in surreal, I'm like, I used to watch this guy ref all the guys that I used to fight, and now he's refing my fight, like, it's, it was just crazy, and you know what's funny, at the end of that first round of my last fight too, you know, I thought I got the finish, because I was pounding him out, and I'm looking at Dan, I was like, I got the finish, and he's like, no, 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 no. It's just the next round. Go to your corner. And I'm just like, God dang it. Got to do it again. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was definitely my most proudest moment. It was awesome. You're still a young fighter, man. Um, what are your goals and aspirations for the remainder of your fight career? So it's funny you say I'm a young fighter. I used to think like, man, I don't have that much time, which is why I was fighting like every three months or so. But I've just started to slow it down. Cause now that we're on that we're on that level now where it's, I'm not fighting amateurs, you know, I'm fighting pros. So we gotta come correct. You know, sometimes you only get that one chance. You know, Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard, or or Dana White might only see that one fight of yours, and you gotta make sure you you show technique and you show that you you got what it takes to compete at their level. What lessons have you learned that you can tell to upcoming fighters that uh, want to get into MMA? Um, don't do it for money. Period. If you're getting into MMA for the money, you're never gonna be happy. You know, you're always going to be chasing the next thing, but, you know, chase something else other than money. Do find a, find a reason. If, it, if it's for you, like intrinsically, it's something you want to do, do it. 
but if if it's for money don't don't do that because it'll eventually burn out you have to find another reason that drives you and that's going to drive you when you're the days you're tired as hell and you don't want to go to training the days you you really want to check out but you check in because you know there's that greater purpose what's an upcoming fight cedric that you're really excited about so i um, this next fight i'm always excited for the next fight because it's the next fight you don't know who it's like it's always russian roulette like, i don't know who i'm fighting until i'm until someone agrees and i get a name sent to me but um ideally this next fight you know i'm really looking to showcase all the improvements i've made all the things that you know i've considered and things that we've adjusted um to showcase you know the skills and experience that i have and i bring to the table so this next fight looking three and oh um hopefully in august uh will be the next time you guys see me back in the cage is there a fight in the ufc that you see on the horizon and you go yeah that's a fucking fight so as far as like on the UFC stage, I mean the last fight that I really was cared about was, you know, Alex uh, Volkanovski and Islam Makachev. Um, those guys, honestly, are the epitome of both their weight classes, 145, 155. And honestly, man, I, I, I want to see that. I want to see that again. I was also excited for for Charles the Bronx and Darius, but Charles like he mopped Darius up. So it was like well okay <laughs> put some respect on my dog charles name you know it's it's, it's crazy because i actually uh charles is one of charles's coach uh or hey my cow um he actually trains at my my gym he teaches uh some some jujitsu um so it's always it's pretty surreal to know that i'm surrounded by guys who are rubbing shoulders with some of the greatest of the great what do you think about that rematch between islam makachev and charles Oliveira? To be honest, I'm sorry to say, Charles Oliveira is my favorite fighter, and I think that he can get it done. Because I think I, I, I think he could get it done too, man. I think he could get it. I think the, this is the first time the weight cut might have just really got to him. Because I know, man, when you weight cut, bro, you feel like crap. But just for him to be such a world-renowned jiu-jitsu tactician to fall into a head and arm, I just didn't think he think. I think he underestimated Islam. I didn't think he think Islam was savvy enough or technically aware enough to just jump right on that because he was lazy with his arm. I watched the fight. Like, he threw his arm up there, but Islam immediately pinned the head down, trapped the trap, the trap, and did not let Charles recover. And Charles knew at that point he fucked up. Excuse my language. <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. That's okay. You can swear on my show. When Islam went into that fight, he was on, like, a 10 or 11 fight win streak. Charles... Charles had tape on him, of course, but there was a lot of wrestling tape. That improved striking that Islam came out with, where he was he was catching him, dipping his head off to the side and being defensively sound and catching Charles with really damaging blows. I feel like Charles is going to um, improve from that and know that that's what he does because Volkanovski actually had the tape from that Charles Oliveira fight and therefore could mm -hmm. prepare for him better. And I believe if, if Volkanovski can prepare for him like that, I think Charles can too. So do you yep. see a situation where you see Charles catching him with something he hit Darius with, like that head kick? Listen, yes. MMA, bro, anything can happen. The fight's not over till it's over. And we've seen that time and time again. Did we not just see Kamaru, you know, this one of my, Kamaru Usman, one of my favorite, both my favorite fighters. I was on vacation in, uh, where was I? I think St. No, I wasn't St. Lucia at the time. Where was it St. Lucia? One of them. I was, 
I was away on vacation on some one of those islands, and I was watching the fight. I was like, yep, well, Kamaru's got this in the bag. And it was another stark reminder that you don't count somebody out until they're out. Even the, you know, Daniel Cormier and all the commentators were counting them out as well. And then we seen quick headshot dead. You know, the fight isn't over until it's over. You know, it and I do see that the fact that there's more tape out there, any for any fighter, the more tape that's out there, the more an opponent can prepare for your stylistic matchup. But now, let's say, if someone prepares off that specific tape, if Islam watches his same tape and he makes adjustments on some of the things that he picks up on, you know, that could also cause a problem. So it's also it's one thing I do say is like watch tape on certain fighters, try to pick up on habits, but don't use that as a all tell, like because people can set you up, make you think you're, they're doing one thing and it's another because they expect it for you to watch their tape. So you brought up the champ. Leon Edwards just then, and people are saying in the MMA community that out of all the champions right now, Leon Edwards has the best MMA game right now and is the best all-rounder for skills in general. But, so, you know. yeah, I would say best best all-around champion right now. I mean, that's that's honestly, man, that, that 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 I couldn't say that. You know why I couldn't say that? Because I have you got Alex and you got Islam still. And both of them, the both of them's jujitsu are on point. Striking are on point. You got the sambo background for Islam. You have the old school wrestling background from Alex. You know, combined with with striking, right? With striking, so I, I wouldn't say he's the best all around champion regarding all the weight classes. But as far as for 170, right now, for, as for far as for 170 in the past in, in this generation. And I'm not I'm not uh, including uh, GSP because I know a lot of people are going to throw this at me, but I think he's the best champion all around, you know, after GSP's era <laughs> right now. Yeah, for sure. So, Leon, uh, I believe that October card where Islam's fighting Charles hasn't been confirmed, but I believe that October card, Leon will be fighting Colby Covington. What do you think about that uh, style matchup? And do you think that Colby has enough pace to throw Leon off, not not outstrike him, but outpace him to the point where Leon can't get what he usually gets off. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know Colby has a great gas tank. Um, Colby is an amazing fighter. Um, he's a tough he's a tough son of a gun. Um, anyone who's fighting him just knows they're they're in for a fight. You gotta take you have to take him out. Otherwise, he's gonna he's another one of those fighters that's just gonna keep coming they're gonna keep coming and i think that matchup is a great matchup to make and i know leon probably doesn't want that right now because he's a wrestler and leon's most majority thing that he needs to work on is that wrestling offensive and defensive because even if he's on the defensive side of wrestling the whole match you know colby can steal that belt by wrestling him all five rounds if he wanted to you know and we need to see leon prepared for that and we'll we'll see we'll see how that how that turns out but we we see how he handled the the champ and we saw how the champ handled Kobe. So, but MMA math doesn't always work out, right? We we know this. So we have to see exactly what happens once those lights come and see, you know, how the weight cuts affect everybody and how they perform when that pressure is on them. In October, they're trying to book Charles and Islam, and they're trying to book Leon and Colby on that same card. But something that the champ Islam Makachev has said is that he believes that Khabib could have gone to welterweight and gotten that belt, and he wants to prove that that gym can do it. 
So what do you think about that Islam-Leon potential matchup that Islam's pushing for, and he's pushing for it very hard? What do you think about that? I think I think Islam, Islam is always good to have confidence. You will always lose far more battles for timidness than overconfidence. And I forgot who actually came up with that quote. I think it was John Danaher, one of the jiu-jitsu, Jordan, uh, Gordon Ryan's uh, coach, said that, who got it from somebody else. But I definitely agree with that quote. Um, you know, you're shooting for the stars. You know, he's trying to put himself out there, star power. Whether he actually gets it done, I don't know. But it would be an interesting fight fight, fight to watch, especially at with the body frames and size. I know Islam, Islam he's going to have to make it a dirty fight. He ain't standing up and striking. He's not standing up and striking. But I, I, I think always, like I said, I've always said this in the MMA game, anybody can win at any given moment. You know, it just it's about just seizing the opportunity. I want to ask you about your nutrition. What's your diet like? Because, bro, you're jacked. <laughs> thanks man i got a lot of people who tell me i'm jacked and I, I always feel like a small little pipsqueak you know maybe that just might be that body dysmorphia thing but um my nutrition as far as uh you know when i'm in camp i try to eat uh meal preps prepared by my nutritionist um and just you know kind of just eat right not really eat the junk food the snacks and whatnot but i'm not gonna lie man i when i'm not in camp i suck I eat Reese's, I eat Starburst, like I eat donuts, bro. I eat it all. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I ain't gonna lie to you, but I'm, I'm, I do the work to I do the work to keep this frame. How long it's gonna it's gonna last? I'm not too sure. That's why I, I kind of like MMA because it keeps me physically fit. Um, it keeps me burning those extra calories. It keeps the metabolism up. But I know I'm getting older and I I can't really do that as much. So I'm trying to get better with the diet, even when I'm out of camp. But when I'm in camp, it's primarily literally just gallons of water and meal preps. Meal preps of chicken, steak, uh, Brussels sprouts, carrots, broccoli, you know, all the boring stuff. For the fans at home, what would you say is the quintessential signature Cedric Lussant move? Uh, so for the fans at home, honestly, um, me, I've always been someone who's never really forced a specific move because I've always felt like, you know, forcing... Forcing a specific move in like a role or a fight, you put yourself at, at risk and vulnerable to other different things because you're trying to force something. But primarily, I mean, my go-to my go-to moves are <laughs> to really take someone out, like in practice, but not take them out, but like let them know, like, hey, I coulda is heel hooks. <laughs> I like getting into honey hole inside inside position so I can attack both your legs and you and all you're all you're focused on is defending because you can't do anything to me. Both my feet are protected underneath your butt um, and while I'm attacking both your limbs. So you said the heel hook just then. A person that's just an absolute beast at that is John Danaher, you brought up before. Is he a role model in your MMA career? Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. John Danaher, honestly, all the Gracies. I come from I'm under a Caesar, Caesar Gracie lineage. Um, so my my master uh, David Lawson's under Eric Shingu, who is under Caesar Gracie, um, and comes from that you know the Gracie background. Um, just those guys, the Caesar, uh, David, John Danaher, Gordon Ryan, uh, Craig Jones, I think it's Nick Rodriguez, but. 
those uh Nikki Ryan too all good no Nikki Ryan's uh, Nikki Ryan too you know so Nikki Ryan and Nick and Nick Rodriguez both of them they they are they are uh role models you know the guys that I see then you know they're beasts they're training hard after it you know that that got me uh to where I'm at you know I study those guys day in and day out in fight pass so I, I'd be a liar if I tell you I don't watch them and pick up from their techniques that's all we have time for folks thank you very much for tuning in and thank you Cedric for coming on the show is there anything you want to plug before we end well, thank you for having me, John, on the show. Um, the last thing I had to say to your people is that they can follow me on Instagram at show up, show out. Um, again, that is show up, show out. There's no and in there. Just show up, show out. Follow Cedric on Instagram. I'll put the link in the description and subscribe to Anything Combat on YouTube. Thank you very much, guys. Bye.